The sun is back at the end of this uh, Thursday, and it's almost the end, although, of course, since uh, we are on summertime now here in Europe, um, it's still very light, even though, what time is it now? Let me start my uh, GPS here and look at the clock time. It's um, half past six in the evening, so normally in the winter it would already get dark, but uh, the sun is shining. And it's been a gray, grayish day. There's been some rain as well. And they predicted some uh, thunderstorms later in the evening. But for now, it's actually a really nice spring evening. And I'm on my way to Ikea. And <laughs> there is no particular reason for that, other than that I like to have a goal when I walk. And uh, I need to walk a lot because my trip to uh, Santiago via the um, the Camino Primitivo this is the oldest itinerary to uh, or one of the oldest itineraries to Santiago is getting closer and of course uh, that will require me to walk about 25 kilometers per day and that's definitely something that I am not used to do and I don't think that I can rely on the um, uh, the, the the physical form that I built up yet, uh, last year because I think I lost most of that during the winter time. So I'm out walking and uh, um, I, I do have something that I want to check out at Ikea. It's a small plastic um, box that is actually meant for shoes. For some reason there are always a lot of, there's always a lot of furniture at Ikea to store shoes. I never really considered that to be a problem for people. So where do you put your shoes? But apparently it is, or at least according to Ikea. Um, so it's a, it's a plastic box that you can attach to the wall. And you can open it. And then let me cross the road here while it's green. And uh, I figured I could use that not for my shoes, because... Uh, I only have two pairs of shoes, and that's more than enough for me. But um, I want to use it for um, the router, or the switch, actually. It's a, uh, a small device that helps us connect the various devices in the studio to our internet connection. And right now that box is somewhere in the middle of the room, and it has a ton of wires sticking out of it. And those wires are all over the place, which uh, creates a, a dangerous situation because people can trip over those wires, which actually happened the other day. So I'm going to see if I can use an IKEA hack to solve that. By the way, you're listening to The Walk, in case you hadn't figured that out. <laughs> and uh, whoa, they've completely demolished my uh, tank station here, my gas station. This is usually where I get my my gas. It's a, an unmanned gas station. and uh, But it used to have a roof and a little building, probably from the times, the olden days, that there would actually be service for, uh, for, for, for the cars. But uh, that has been closed for many years, and I guess they just decided to tear the whole thing down. Wow, it's on a little patch of ground. It's actually much smaller now that it's demolished than it looked when it was still up. And the, the 
far as I can tell, you can still get your gas there, but the pumps are just standing there out in the open, which is not going to be very comfortable when it's raining. You have to fill up your your tank. Anyway, so um, the uh, so that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> like, yeah. Last time that we spoke, I was uh, still um, in my 40s, and now I'm in my 50s. <laughs> I think the last episode was right before my birthday, and uh, and that is now past. It's also um, uh, past Easter. Well, actually, is it? Now I'm starting to wonder if that's if that's true. I need to check. Lately, there have been so many things happening uh, that I sometimes really forget what I'm doing. Um, let me just go to the website here, and I'll I'll look it up for you. Um, but this uh, time after Easter has been incredibly busy, um, with a lot of exciting things. The most important one is that. I have finished almost all my, all my work for my TV show, which frees me up and it creates more time uh, for my uh, for my tridio work and especially for the for the video projects that uh, are all lined up now for the next couple of months. So yeah, the last episode was on April four, and. Uh, and so I guess I need to tell you a little bit uh, about the birthday itself, which, by the way, wasn't that important. Um, but I, I think I mentioned that I uh, wanted to celebrate. Oh, I didn't want to celebrate it. I certainly didn't want to get any gifts because of the phase in my life that I'm currently at, which is to declutter and to get rid of things instead of accumulating new things. And so that's uh, a message that I try to convey to my parishioners, to my family. And uh, so we kept it very simple. And instead, uh, what I did was I, I uh, had a small birthday celebration with the homeless people in Amersfoort on the second day of Easter. And that was a lot of fun. It was uh, just a meal together uh, during the day. Uh, but it was a very kind of low-key way to, to talk and to meet each other. And, uh, and so that was very, I was very happy with the how that turned out, and cer- certainly something I would like to do in the future as well. And so, for uh, to uh, for my birthday, I I um, got we got together with uh, uh, my mom and dad and uh, my sister Fiona and uh, her family, and my brother Yerun with his family. And by the way, my sister Fiona is doing well. She's currently in the uh, last phase of the treatment for cancer, and. Uh, uh, so she gets daily um, radiation therapy, which, even though it's kind of a burden to go to the hospital every single day, the treatment itself is much easier to uh, kind of to uh, undergo than uh, than uh, the chemotherapy, of course. And so uh, she's now halfway through, so she still has got a few weeks to go, and then. That is done as well, so I'm really uh, glad for her that most of the treatment is uh, passed and everything seems to go very, very well. Um, so she's looking for, forward tremendously to uh, be, being done with the treatment and to be able to enjoy springtime. I mean, go out with the kids and walk and not having to worry about um, the treatment or the cancer every single day because every time you get treatment 
And you're reminded of that, of course. So I'm super happy for her, for her kids, uh, for her husband. And, uh, and, and, and slowly, I mean, things are getting back to normal. The hair starts to grow again. Um, just little things that you don't even realize um, that are part of the treatment. In fact, you don't have any eyebrows at one point or eyelashes. And then that robs you of a way to express yourself. It's crazy how much we take those things for granted. But if you don't have any eyebrows anymore, then it, it's, it's, it's harder to emote. And uh, so all that's coming back. So that's also very comforting for her. So that's really, that's good. I saw that my, my, my dad is uh, uh, it's really getting older. And uh, it's always a, a bit worrisome to see uh, that we don't see each other every week. So I, I, I see kind of these big, bigger changes. My mom usually the same <laughs> Uh, and uh, she doesn't seem to age that much, but my dad really is much older and more fragile than he used to be. Um, that's that's also what happens. And so one of one of the things that I told myself uh, when I got when I turned fifty was I am going to invest even more in my health um, because investing in my health now will hopefully yield results in the future where um, uh, being, ha- being fitter and working on a good balance in my life and uh, also uh, building the let's say the bones etc running for instance is a good way to uh, prevent future problems, joint problems or hip problems or knee problems all that so um, but it is easier said than done I really ha- struggled with it, this. Um, even the last few weeks, you know, scheduling these moments where I do want to go out, and I, uh, I, for some reason, I was stuck in this loop of inertia that was brought about by the uh, the, the the chronic fatigue, and so gradually, and this is always kind of a slip and slide type of thing you don't realize how how bad it has become until you look on the scale and you're like whoa where do all those pounds come from and actually I know exactly where they come from and it's mostly it's it's bad habits it's when you feel tired in the evening um you don't want to you're too tired to go to bed have you ever experienced something like that and so instead I watch tv I go I watch netflix and then you uh, you eat some toast, and you drink a beer or something like that. And before you know it, you're back at this kind of snacking, lazy, um, certainly not calorie-burning uh, behavior. And it, it, it's I've noticed that if you combine that with lack of sleep or um, a lot of stress or work, well, it's not really stress, it's just mostly all sorts of different things going on, then before you know it, the, the pounds start to, uh, to pile up. And so I set myself two goals. One is uh, the Camino, and I force myself now to go and walk every day. Um, and I also have to set myself uh, a goal time-wise, because walking is unless... 
I reserve actually too much time than is than is um, uh, than what's reasonable. Unless I do that, I start to minimize it. So I, think, well, I still have to go out for a walk, and then I walk for eight for fifteen minutes to the local supermarket, and I was like, oh, I had my walk. But what I do now is I've decided to walk two hours this week, and then I'm going to gradually um, uh, up the the amount of time that I'm walking outside so that I have to plan it. Otherwise, I don't get my work done. So it's actually by exaggerating the time that I invest in the walking um, that I force myself to um, to make space for it and to reschedule my day around the walk instead of the other way around. And hopefully that will help because it's really important that I, that I start uh, getting fit again. The second goal is uh, a little bit further in the distance uh, and that is I am going to run another marathon this year. I missed the marathon of Rotterdam which was last Sunday and it was a gorgeous day and I really when I see the posts on social media and the videos I so wanted to be there. So next year I do want to go run the marathon of Rotterdam but to compensate for the fact that I wasn't going to run this year I'm going to run the Marathon of Amsterdam. That will be the first time that I run that one. It's not really happening in the city of Amersfoort, although part of the um, of the itinerary kind of uh, touches the the outskirts of the older city of our, uh, of Amsterdam. Um, but it, so it's part of it is out of out of the outside of the city, and if, uh, the part of the there's a stretch that is going more or less inside the city itself. Perhaps not the most exciting marathon of the Netherlands. Um, it's not the same kind of tradition as in the city of Rotterdam, where it's really big and it's, like, it's kind of more like Boston. You know, everybody's cheering and there's the entire city experiences this uh, marathon. In Amsterdam, there are long stretches where there's no one to cheer you on. But for me, it's a way to force myself to start training again. And I know that if I'm not disciplined, then it's going to be a very, very painful experience like the last time I ran Marathon of Rotterdam. And so it's almost the fear of going through that experience again that makes me, again, kind of forces me, I trick myself in, into being consistent with my physical exercise. And, uh, and hopefully oh, that's not just something that will help me get fit for this year, but it will be an investment for the future as well. Not to mention the psychological effects of being outside again and, and enjoying the, the weather and the sunshine and long, long hours during which I can think. Here in the background, by the way, is big uh, cargo train with uh, containers, sea containers that are coming from Germany and are heading to Rotterdam. Be probably loaded. Usually, this is either cars or it's chemicals. This is chemicals, as far as I can tell. And uh, it's, a, it's pretty noisy. Always, always uh, amazed how they can uh, cram those big trains in the already extremely busy uh, passenger train schedule uh, on the Dutch in the, of the Dutch railway system. That the Dutch are really good with trains and public transport.
nice daffodils here. I'm uh, in a kind of an office uh, area of the city. This is where you have a lot of tech companies and ugly buildings, but there's also lots of grass and all these uh, borders with grass are now covered in yellow daffodils. It's a really beautiful sight. The trees are still trying to get their leaves out, but I think that will take another few weeks before we get to see those. And so I love these, these various um, uh, phases in, in, in the buildup of springtime. We first got the small white flowers, the snow bells or whatever they're called. And then you've got the, uh, what's the name again? The purple and the yellow ones, also usually very early. Then you get the daffodils, then you get the roses and everything. It's, uh, I love this time of year. <laughs> I love springtime even more than summertime. So, um, that's about my health and how things are going. Let's talk about uh, projects. Uh, I, I, the one thing that I wanted to share with you is... Uh, a new aspect of my work it's not really work but it's part of creating the right circumstances to work in and that is the art of negotiation um, I, I've never had to negotiate that much in my life usually I just did the things I needed to do and I made time for the things that I wanted to do but sometimes you have to claim um, uh, things that you need to to do your work or to accomplish your goals, and sometimes those uh, those needs or resources that you need are not um, are not available right away, or you need to negotiate to get them, and that's what I've been doing a lot over the past few weeks. Um, it, it was all about uh, the find, trying to find. Uh, a, a, a good um, remuneration for the work that I do for television. When I started that work, I was a completely uh, noob. <laughs> I'd, I didn't know anything about the world of television. I had no idea uh, what other presenters were making and um, what was normal. I, I was only a presenter. Uh, but over time, of course, I've started to... Do, to to do so much more than just presenting. I started to uh, 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 come up with ideas. I started to film my own material. And I'm now at a level where I, what I produce is, has much more value than what I did 10 years before. The thing is, my salary, or what, it's not really a salary, but I get, a, uh, I get paid for every time that I do something for a TV show. Uh, has, has stayed the same. So that's been the same for all those years that I work in television. Whereas the expenses uh, were, were going through the roof and I'm doing so much more. And so, um, and there's something else. Also, what I want with the television show and what I want with Tridio has become so much clearer than it was in, a, in the early years of my TV career. And so, there is not just a need for me to uh, renegotiate uh, the, the entire situation, but th it's also a responsibility for Tridio and for the people that help me 
do my work. For instance, uh, you heard me talk about Martin, who is uh, um, someone who we brought on to help us with admi- uh, administrative duties and taxes. And there's, uh, when you start to grow, you need to you have more and more transactions and formal and legal stuff that needs to be done. And Inga and I were doing that always kind of in between the all the other work that we did. And so we brought Martin to help us with that. And uh, very quickly, he also became involved in organizing things, being more to, stepping more in the role of a producer in um, in the sense that he was making the phone calls, arranging the trips to Amsterdam, for instance, when we had to film there. And, um, and so his job turned out to be much bigger than we initially uh, thought it would be. But at the same time, it helps us being much more, be much more productive and to be able to do much more because we don't have to worry about um, the administrative stuff and the production stuff. But, of course, <laughs> it means I have to pay him. And so renegotiating my contract with the uh, television company is also because I want to be able to to hire people to help me. Another example that I mentioned uh, last in the last episode of The Walk was that I've outsourced the editing, which is something that was always breaking my back. It's, uh, it's the toughest aspect of creating uh, vi- uh, video programs or television programs. Um, and it's something that I knew would not be sustainable if I was going to realize the plans that I had for Tridio. Um, editing an episode of a TV show usually takes up the energy of about a week. And what I wanted to do was to create um, not just one, but two TV episodes per month and to create uh, a steady stream of video productions for Tridio, for, for our international audience. And so I made the decision to, in, to reinvest some of the, of the money that we make by creating the, the TV episodes and reinvest that in, in hiring an editor to do a lot of that work that I don't enjoy and that is not, it's just not something that I excel at. Um, and so what, to go to the, the, what, what I discovered was so hard for me to do in negotiating um, was to not worry, to see this as kind of part of the job. It, whereas, um, and that's, that's more something that I struggle with, usually in my work, uh, all my relationships, I'm very personal. Um, and so I don't really consider the relations that I have in the parish or uh, in that television environment or in the social media environment where I also work, um, to be strictly just work. Um, and I've, I've worked with people for a long, long time, multiple years in television, almost 10 years now. And so having to negotiate with these people and, and uh, daring to mention certain demands, asking for a raise, asking for um, to get more work, that felt so wrong at first. It was so hard, and especially because I started to discover in the process that people were not used to me making those demands or having demands. Um, and then 
while talking, and I didn't do this by myself, I, I uh, of course, talked a lot with uh, Inge and with uh, Martin about this, I discovered that actually what has happened is that the, the, the television company or the people in that television company were so used to me being okay with everything and just doing more and more work for the same reward that when we started to to negotiate or renegotiate that the reaction was not very positive <laughs> and people got irritated and like so what do you want and they were trying to figure it out and and I struggled with that tremendously. I was like, the, there were some meetings where I just wanted to crawl in a corner and cry. And, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to disagree with these people. Why can't we all be friends? But I started to learn that um, at negotiation it has nothing to do with friendship. And you can be friends outside of the negotiation, but when you're in a negotiation, it's more like a fight or, or, or a game in a certain way. It's like when I play Imperial Assault with Sebastian and some other friends, it's a Star Wars board game. I mean, we battle each other. We try to win. We, we negotiate. We try to, you know, if I make this move, you'd better not... And then Darth Vader appears and starts striking us down, and like that's not fair. And we, we it's, there's a lot of tension in the air. But then when the game is done, I was like, that was a great game. Let's do this again. And as, as I, I started to look at negotiation as something similar, but again, it's it's a it's a game. So both parties use psychological tricks as well to play that game well and to win as much as they can. And so I started to notice that um, some people were using their, um, their weight in a certain way, their, their position in the company, their relationship towards me, which has always been... You know, I always felt like a student. Like, I'm, I'm just happy and I'm grateful that, that people allow me to do this TV work because that's what I love. And then, so you have almost like a teacher-apprentice relationship with a number of people... And um, and now, I had to position myself in a different role. It's like, well, you know what? I am the talent. Uh, I know what I can do. I make good good stuff. I deliver in time. I do really good work for a very low price. That's why I want to renegotiate that price. And so, I had to put myself in a different position. No longer the just a student who looks up to his teacher or master but someone who has become a master himself. And I do master my craft. I master how to make TV shows. And I, I have a very clear idea where I, where I want to go with the program. And that is not necessarily where you're already on the same wavelength as the people that you're negotiating with. And so that's where the tension grows and the struggle and, and people are getting irritated and... Or they just ignore what you, what you want. It's like, well, you know what? Uh, I, have, I have my responsibility. I want this and this for the program. And then I was like, well, I don't agree. And I have to stick at my, my let's say, my emotion. <laughs> or my, my, my heart tells me, don't push it. Don't push it. They're going to they're gonna fire you. <laughs> they're going to stop the program. Whereas my mind, my intellect tells me, Oh, you can go way further than this. Just be strong. 
Know yourself, know their, your quality, be proud of what you do, and dare to ask to be rewarded um, in a normal way. It's, it's not that I'm asking too much, or like, but it's just I want parity with my colleagues and with other people that work in the TV business. And it's ridiculous that I make a relatively very, very little... Uh, money and again it's not for myself it's it's something i it helps me pay back my diocese so it helps me provide for my own salary it helps me to build up tridio and to hire people and i know that this is a very important part of that it's not everything because i we would not be able to to get uh um how do you say that to pay all the bills without the patrons, for instance, and uh, some of the other uh, income that we generate while making these programs. But if it would fall away, if there, if the TV wouldn't be there, I would, I would not be able to do my work. I would not be able to pay back the diocese, and so, you know, the diocese would just tell me, "Well, just go and be a pastor of, uh, <laughs> of a, of a province," because that's how big our, our. Uh, our parishes, our um, <laughs> combined parishes, have become. Uh, I've got some colleagues that are are uh, uh, shepherding enormous, enormous uh, territories, and so uh, it's it's a. I know how much is at stake. This is about what I do, but there is also something else. There's also how I do it. Because I, I have ambitions also for my TV show, and that's something that is rare, strangely rare, especially in the Catholic media, where it's almost as if a lot of people are fatalistic. It's like, well, you know, we're, we've almost lost any, any every influence in the media, so, um, yeah, let's not... Let's just do what pleases most people. Let's just try to target the elderly that are watching TV in the afternoon and that's it and let's try to pick topics that are of interest to them. That is understandable from a let's say just keeping the shop open and passing underneath uh, two highways here that's why it's a bit echoey and noisy um, but it's 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 just maintenance what you do. Whereas I'm always looking for ways to expand the message, reach more people, and and also have a message. It's not just entertainment. And so I, I really fought hard for the ability to... If the program carries my name, which it does, the Dutch title is uh, Father Roderick Seeks the Light. And the idea, the formula of that when we picked that title was I am going to look for stories of hope of friendship of, of um, things that are the things that people are, are doing in the world or in their own world inspired by their faith but it's, it's, not, it's not catechesis it's not information that we pass along no, we want to show the people that are watching TV in this public television, we want to show them that the faithful are changing the world for the better. 
and that they can inspire similar things in our society. So it's always... My program is about showing the relevance of believing. And the relevance not just for other believers, but for our society in general, for our culture in general. And if my TV show doesn't do that, then why do the TV show? And so it's also... and, And that requires, of course, a bigger influence if other people don't agree <laughs> and, and are just tempted to just continue the show the way we've done it for years and years and years. That's the argument that I get. And that's exactly the same argument that we get in the church all the time. Where it's like, well, Father Roderick, don't change this. We, we don't want to spend too much time on the families and on the children because that's a lost battle and you can't really change the liturgy too much because the older people they wanted their traditional songs and they want their organ music and the and that's how we've done it for years and so it should by all means stay the same that's that's what i hear all around my all around me and that's not what i want to um surrender to because i believe that growth and change and evolution only happens when you dare something that has not done before, isn't that the kind of the, the gist of evolution in general? It's like you've got a, changed, a world that is changing, circumstances that are changing. <laughs> that was a big dog. Hey. <laughs> yeah, he, he thinks he can eat it. <laughs> the dog was looking at the... I've got a muffler on the, on the microphone. So a windshield, but it looks like a dead animal. <laughs> He's looking, is like, is that edible? <laughs> is that a treat? And this is the kind of dog that could swallow this microphone whole in one bite. So <laughs> I'm glad his master was uh, was near. So uh, evolution is the the world is changing, climate is changing, and most of the animals don't change. And then there's this one fish that's like, well, what if I change color? You know, so the predators won't see me anymore. And then that fish survives and has a family and creates more blue fish. And I think it's a way in which nature tells us that if you want to survive and you want to thrive in the future, you need to adapt. And, and you should not always do what you've done before. If we would continue to, do, to live exactly in the same way as generations before us, then our society would completely grind to a halt and, and nothing would... And actually, I think it would fall apart. It's kind of... It's, it's what you see in the gospel as well. Jesus is constantly challenging his apostles to go beyond their preconceptions. Like, well, you were fishers. And you try to tell me that it's useless going out on the water and fish because you've tried all night using your old techniques. Well, I tell you, go back and try the other side of the boat and you'll see... And, and so he challenges his, his, his apostles to change their ways, to try something new, and to trust that that will yield uh, results. Well, that is, that's the mindset of a Christian, I think, or it should be the mindset of a Christian. And I'm very allergic to people that try to stop me from, from uh, putting that into practice. And so the negotiation was about much more I mean, all this is, was going on in the past few weeks, and I started to realize, well, you know what? This, there is so much at stake. This is really about the mission. This is about what I feel called to do 
And that helped me to be strong in those negotiations and to say, well, you know what? I don't accept um, the lack of change. I do not accept you to, to um, continue to underpay me and to exploit me because sometimes I feel like that. It's, like, it's because I've always said yes. I was always obediently doing whatever they asked me. And, and inside of me, I was like, well, this is not right. You know, I'm doing all this work and they're not paying for it. Whereas last year they were still paying someone else to do it. Now they asked me to do it myself and I don't get a raise. And I haven't gotten a raise in, in 10 years. <laughs> that is so wrong. And so, but because of what's at stake, but also to force myself to, to remind myself that it's not about me or, uh, or just about paying the bills. This is about trying to follow the mission and so anyway I, I learned a lot including uh, making other people uncomfortable irritated and sometimes even angry and I've I've really grown by doing that it's, it, I don't think it'll ever become fun but I'm trying to look at it from the perspective of a game this is a game that I play to win and the the end result may not be what I would like to have but that's also part of the game you aim high and then you try to find a compromise and you don't always immediately accept the first offer uh, the counter offer and so they we, we were already planning for 2019 and so we've I've, I've expressed my concerns about the program and my vision and my demands I doubt there is an offer on the table. We asked some time to think about that, and so we will, we will do a counteroffer. And then, hopefully, over time, we'll figure this out. And now I can talk about it in this way, but a few weeks ago, I was so stressed, and I was so worried, mostly worried, that I was doing the wrong thing, that I was trying, I was trying to... Um, that other people would not understand my good intentions that they would see this as, oh, it's just greedy Father Roderick and he's, it's all about the money for him and it's just a job for... It's quite on the contrary. But that was all in my mind. I noticed that, you know, the, the people on the other side of the table were not thinking about that at all. They are also playing a game. They're also trying to influence the deal. And what I need to do is to stay strong and to determine kind of like a baseline that, like, this is my minimum offer and if they don't want to go there... And I'm done. You, 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 I never really had to express that. But it's something in my mind that I wanted to... Like, how low can you go? <laughs> that is an important part of the, of, the, of the strategy of negotiation. But it's also um, a baseline so that you know, well, if it ever comes to that, <laughs> at least I know that I don't want to get there. So I aim for something, a much better situation. Anyway... Uh, it's all long and boring. <laughs> Hopefully, it's. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure how applicable this is in your own life, but I guess negotiation is part of of, of many different situations. Um, and I'm 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 learning to stand up for myself, to stand up for my mission and for my people, and that is so much easier than standing up just for yourself. Even though that last thing, why not? I I know that I can do that. I'm no longer a padawan. I'm a master. <laughs> So, get me on the Jedi Council, or else. <laughs>
<laughs> All right, let's uh, let's end this because I, I see the big blue yellow building of IKEA on my left here. Um, I wanted to share with you uh, what we've decided to do. Uh, a, a, a while ago, I was mentioning that we are were going to start a fund drive and trying to invite more people to become patrons so that we could do more than last year. Um, and, uh, of course, with these things, I always plan... Uh, in my mind, it's easy to plan. To, exec- to execute it is, is a lot harder. And so... Um, We've been delayed a little bit. Uh, there were all these negotiations going on, and there was also a lot going on in the studio. We we uh, we were still installing the lights and the green screen and all that. Uh, we're still waiting for the curtains, which we absolutely need because we need to create a, a stable uh, lighting environment. Um, the kind of software that I use needs fixed settings for lighting. And if the sun starts to shine outside and there are no curtains for the windows, then the green screen, the key, so that's kind of the, 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 the part of the software that tells the computer, well, this is green and this is what you need to replace by background, that gets um, messed up. And then the green screen doesn't work anymore. So that's why you haven't seen the, the, the same amount of, uh, of uh, episodes as uh, in as before Easter, it's it's uh, kind of a <laughs> practical problem that we have with the green screen, but all that will be solved very soon because they they're currently making new curtains, and they'll be installed in I think two weeks from now or something like that. Um, but there is much more going on in terms of plans, and that uh, we uh, I I was talking about doing a project about Star Wars which has kind of been on my list of uh, projects that I involved my patrons in. And so I invited them to help me create a, a Star Wars documentary and to tell that story, what I have with Star Wars and why Star Wars and faith are so compatible in many ways. Um, that, that's one thing. And then the second big project was uh, the Lego project. So for the Lego project, Star Wars I know, and I... Uh, that's coming to fruition very soon. The month of May is going to be Star Wars uh, month. So it's going to be the, the premiere of uh, Solo. And, um, and it's also May, May the 4th. <laughs> it's kind of Star Wars month. And so uh, what we've decided to do is um, uh, instead of just creating one big documentary, from now on, on Tridio... We're going to uh, produce one small uh, web documentary every week. And every month will have its specific theme. So that means that if a week has five weeks or five Tuesdays, for instance, Tuesday seems like a good uh, day to launch uh, a video on social media, you'll get five stories about Star Wars, five mini documentaries. And then at the end of the month... We bring those together we, and we create a program which, in, in contrast with the webisodes, will not be available publicly, but that we want to make available to our sponsors, to our patrons. They'll be able to get access to the, the, 
let's say, a, a, a documentary every month that is for them. And that, for us, is a way to both get the, get the message out via those web videos, and that's, of course, also the best way to, uh, to reach a large audience because b the smaller videos are easier to share. And people are looking at me like, why is he uh, walking up and down in front of the entrance of Ikea? <laughs> I want to finish this podcast first, ladies and gentlemen, before I go inside. Um, the, uh, uh, and the, the, the big documentary, which will be more of a kind of almost like a television product, product, I want to keep that exclusive to the supporters to give them an incentive, but also to make it more of a, a product in a certain way that we can then... Uh, also uh, license, for instance, to television stations. If there are Catholic channels uh, in various countries that want to air this, then they could, uh, they could pay for the, for the rights to license the, the, the show or the episode or documentary, which will create more revenue so that we can reinvest in new documentaries. And so that's how I, we're going to try to... to um, uh, get a, another source of revenue um, so that we can invest in more productions and better productions. So that's, that's the goal. And we're going to start with Star Wars because that's been on the patron reward list for many months. And uh, what I want to do is also to make it available to the people that have supported me uh, via Patreon uh, since the beginning, but for various reasons, and this happens every month, um, are no longer to continue their... their uh, their monthly uh, sponsorship. But I want to make sure they too get that documentary uh, because they too helped me realize it. So that's, that's one thing. It's, that's a good reason to become a patron this month because then you will get this Star Wars documentary that will, um, will be a lot of fun. This is something I wanted to have. And I've already found an editor that will put that together. I'll be filming some additional material in the next couple of weeks for that. It's going to be good. Um, the second project was Lego, and uh, what I initially wanted to do was to uh, ask a company that has experience with educational animated projects to do that for us. So to completely outsource it, I would just provide them with the stories and the Lego minifigures, and, uh, and then they would do all the animation. Well, it turns out the company that I wanted to involve is too busy. They have too much work. Uh, it's a small television company, production company. And so they basically told me, that's wonderful. We'd love to brainstorm with you, but you'll have to do it yourself. <laughs> and so that kind of set me back a little bit in the sense that I was like, oh, I have to do it myself. Well, I did not plan for that because it is animation is one of the most time-consuming productions that you can make. And it's something that I don't have the equipment for. I don't have the lights. I don't have the camera. I don't have the software. And I don't have the experience to do animation. And I wanted it to be more than what I've done so far, which is really amateur stuff. And, and it's, it's not good enough for what I, what I envision. I want this to be something that can be used for many, many years in families, in schools, in parishes. So I really need it to be good. However, this, the fact that I'm kind of basically back at where I started um, kind of forced me to change my plans a little bit. So I am going to uh, 
realize that at a later stage. It's not off the, off the agenda. Um, but I need more time to work that out and to find perhaps other people that can animate it for me. Perhaps I have to go beyond the Netherlands for that. I know that there are some pretty good animation studios in other countries, in, um, in uh, Slovakia or Czechia, uh, the Czech Republic, uh, Poland. But I don't have any contacts there. So maybe that will take a little bit more time. So... So that's, that's, that's what's happening on that level. Um, but in order to uh, continue the mission of, it, of, of, uh, of Tridio for our international audience, we decided to move forward and to expand this, this video project. So in addition to the green screen stuff, which, you know, is basically kind of what I did while podcasting, but then I try to make a video version that is at least fun to watch. Um, in, in addition to those episodes, we'll, we'll be doing a much more ambitious. So basically the, the, the end result of those monthly uh, thematic documentaries will be on the same level of quality as what I'm doing for Dutch television. And so finally I'll be able to share with you what I've been doing for so many years now. And, but oh, the language has always been a problem. Well, no longer because we're going to produce everything in English. And then we're going to subtitle everything in multiple languages. And the more resources we can find, the more translations we can add. I, ideally, for me, that this will ultimately become something that you can have on Netflix. And that's why it's important to also have the subtitles available. All that will help make the product more marketable in a certain way uh, and, and get bigger channels like Netflix interested and it's not necessarily Netflix, although that's kind of the place to be, I think, for this kind of material. But um, I'm super excited about that. And we have to invest first. That's the downside. Uh, we don't have the resources this year to um, pay everything from our... What do you say that? From the current... The current uh, uh, sources of revenue that we have but I'm confident that if we start doing this it will also help grow the community and uh, we, we've worked with one organization uh, uh, during Lent uh, in the same way where they asked us to do these videos in Amsterdam and they were posting one every single Tuesday and it was like a clockwork pr um, uh, thing People could count on that, and having these weekly videos generated so much buzz. And then there also, it's much easier to promote videos like that. Um, this is also based on experience. We've we've created some some documentaries in the past. We put in a lot of resources, cost us a lot of money, and nobody was watching these things because they were more than half an hour long. And that's not something that you watch on on YouTube. So that's why we do it differently now. We create four or five videos every month. Every week there will be a new documentary, a mini documentary. Every month will have its own theme. And we're starting with Star Wars, but there's so much more that I'm excited about. And now that we've found an editor who can do that and that I've worked with and I know what he does and he knows me, I know that this is going to happen. So I can, I can finally guarantee this output. Um, and that is, has always been a bottleneck. As long as I did everything myself, um, 
and life got in the way or health or the parish or, or Easter or Christmas, um, things would stall. And we're now at a level where that is no longer necessary because I am working with a team of people that can help me make this happen. And that will ultimately benefit you. So that's a long story, but it was, that's what I've been doing all these, all these weeks. Um, thank you so much for, uh, for listening and uh, for your support as well. I know that many of you are, are already patrons. Um, and I know that some of you may want to become patrons. And, uh, and if you know other people that have never heard of what we're doing at over at Tridio, um, just send them a link, you know, talk about it. Uh, spread the word, post a, an article in your local parish bulletin, and talk about it with your priest. Um, I think we, we really need to uh, start working on, on expanding the community because... Social media distribution requires you to have traction, and and we are currently very happy that we have about a thousand followers on Facebook, but only a fraction of those thousand will actually get to see our posts, and hopefully with the addition of video, but also with a community that will help us spread the word and grow the community, this can become the best year so far for Tridio. Um, So thank you so much to... uh, if you're on board with that, and if you want to help me. All right, it's time to go visit this uh, blue and yellow temple here in front of me, towering above me, Ikea. I need to talk about Ikea some other time, but now I am going to get those, that shoe box for our, for our internet cables. <laughs> talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Go to tridio.com if you want to become a patron, uh, and please, please consider doing that. Uh, go to patreon.com slash fatherroderick. Thanks, and I'll talk to you soon. Take care and God bless.